Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca podcast and another episode and actually another new guest. And I've already had a blast for the last like 15, 20, 15 minutes or so with Sarah and Alex Lucas. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today. Hey, man, we're, we're definitely happy to be here and uh, longtime follower, longtime listener. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, that, that truly means a lot. And, and it turns out we don't live very far away from each other. So hopefully at some point we have the opportunity to get together. You all are based in Birmingham, Alabama, correct? That's right. Did you always live there? Is that where you've grown up or did you move there? What, what's the story? Well, I was about to say, I have a little bit more boring of a story than Sarah. So yes, I'm, I'm, you know, if you're from Birmingham and I feel like this is the same for like most major cities, if, if you live in like, you know, a 20 minute increment of, uh, the major city, you're just from that city. So I I grew up in a little smaller town right outside of Birmingham Okay, and grew up there. And then, uh, Sarah's got, like I said, a little bit more of a moving history than I do. I've, I've, I was born here. And I've just kind of moved a, a few different cities around Birmingham, but always. All right, Sarah, we're looking yeah. for you to spice it up yeah. here. I'm getting the popcorn <laughs> out. Make um, it interesting so, for us. Yeah. So I was actually born in Kissimmee, Florida. From there, we moved to Wisconsin, where I would spend the majority of my childhood. Um, and then about- And by the way, uh, you said you were like, you would make igloos earlier? Yeah. <laughs> That's- we went from making we, sandcastles to igloos. Yeah, we did <laughs> We didn't um, have, I guess, a ton of money growing up. So we had our own ways of entertaining ourselves, which was like outside in the snow, making igloos or whatever. <laughs> and you said the ingredients for a good igloo earlier were snow and a bucket of water. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Just really cold snow and some water and a snowsuit. Probably you don't want to be out there. <laughs> so, so Nathan, I don't know if you know this. So I recently did my first visit to to the north. <gasps> And uh, so I've literally, you know, since before me and Sarah got together, I, I'd never really left the the surrounding states for the most part. Okay. And we, we started to travel and like, uh, in fact, our honeymoon was our first, the first time that I'd left the state, much less got on a, a plane to leave the country. How cool but, is that though? Isn't that I, fun to like sh- sharing that experience together? I think it's, it was, it was a blast. And I, since our honeymoon, I don't think we've stopped going places. And, and when we go places, we Literally, it's not just to like fly into one place and just look like we'll explore that whole state. We'll get every bit of that state yeah. um, for a week. But so here recently in December, I've been saying like, I want to go to Wisconsin. I want to see like kind of where you grew up and her, her brother moved back there. And anyway, so um, but I was like, if we go, it better be snowing. I need <laughs> to see this northern snow because I'm sure the same same's kind of for you in Tennessee is, you know, maybe even more so here in Alabama, it might snow maybe once a year. Right. If that, and it's really not even snow, it's not enough to even play in or do anything. So, yeah. That quarter inch shuts the whole town down. Yeah. Schools are yeah, closing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's just like that mushy, you know, nothing snow really. So I'd heard about this, this fluffy, you know, snow that you can ski on and all this stuff. And I was like, if we go in December, it better snow. So 
anyway, it lucked up there. There had already been, you know, it wasn't like blizzard status, but it was a solid like foot of snow when we got there, which is more way more than I've ever seen in my whole lifetime combined. And they made sure to let us know that that is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but all that to say is, is uh, you can't just make a snowball out of Wisconsin snow. Oh. There is no humidity in the air. There's no water in the air. There's no nothing. I didn't know where you were. So yeah, that's where the that's bucket of water comes it. in okay. is because you cannot just make, you cannot just clump up their snow. And I was so baffled by, why my snowballs were not staying in. <laughs> They're just in like snow. disintegrating. Yes, <laughs> it's just apart. powder. And yeah. so, so yes, yeah, so I learned how to make a Wisconsin snowball, which is you have to melt it with your, you know, you have to compact it with your gloves and then let it sit there for a second so it melts a little bit. Or if you want it faster, you take your gloves off. <laughs> oh, God. We see Alex standing over there with snow and spitting into his hand, trying to <laughs> just... create some moisture for the, <laughs> for these snowballs. <laughs> Yeah, spit snowball. <laughs> That's on a whole different level. That's a different snowball. level? Okay. <laughs> You're based in Birmingham and are wedding photographers. But, um, I mean, uh, wedding photographers, as we all know, are, I don't want to say a dime a dozen because that seems kind of harsh, but there's just a lot of wedding photographers and there more is, and more so yeah. because of technology and so forth. How do you all set yourself apart? What is what is the brand position of your business? Or I guess, better put, what's the, the unique selling point? You know, if, if somebody hears about... Alex and Sarah Lucas, if, if like, what would they think about? What's the, the word that comes to mind or the idea that comes to mind when they hear about you guys? Well, you know, and Sarah, feel free to interrupt. Um, we're really good at interrupting each other. So I think when we first started, like our big like selling point and difference was we were a husband and wife team and we, our company does photo and video together. So we have an, another set of our best friend, that best friends that are their husband and wife as well. Um, they run our video side, but that like dual husband and wife photo video team started out as our, just, uh, our big, you know, kind of difference of anybody. Cause you know, just like you're even saying, Nathan, like photographers are a dime a dozen, but I kind of feel like that, that husband and wife team thing is really popping up. Yeah. I was going to say people are trying to get their, their hubs to quit and come work for them, which is great. Um, but we're still a dime a dozen as we are probably the only company in Birmingham, at least anywhere close, that is photo, video, husband and wife teams on both sets. So you have four people. Um, but I think now we're kind of approaching an era where we didn't realize, but um, most of the time now people talk about us when they talk about our work, which is great. It's wonderful. Um, the things that they say are Alex and Sarah are just so nice. I just love them. They did so good on my wedding. And they're amazing people. Alex really likes plants. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's usually always just snippets of who we are and how we serve them while on the wedding day. Yeah. Sarah's really happy is usually also another. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's kind of evolved, like I said, from that, just like, here's the services that we offered. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of husband and wife teams when we started, you know, six years ago or whatever it was. Um, much less a husband, like a dual, you know, a husband and wife photo video quattro. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now it's kind of evolved to, like I said, not so much as the specific services that we offer, but as like the personality and stuff that we have just even before people are clients. So like, you know, if you follow us on, if anybody follows us on Instagram stories, we're constantly on there sharing about you know, somewhat random things or like my uh, obsession with plants. Uh, we've gotten clients that have followed us because they, you know, like my 
plant stories. <laughs> and I even have to dial it back a little bit because I'm like, we're photographers, not botanists. <laughs> but we've had clients that like, are people that have found us and like followed our feed because I talk about plants and then they'll become clients because they just, they feel like they know us, whether that's from our crazy like adventures to Wisconsin and making snowballs or uh, talking about plants. And so honestly, I feel like now more so than just like quality work or husband and wife team or being a photographer or whatever it is, I feel like people connect with our personality and that's probably what they think of first, or uh, maybe as Nathan mentioned it earlier, the fiery red hair. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, you, if those of you listening in have not been to Alex and Sarah's site, first of all, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. It's alweddingsllc.com. And then uh, same thing on, or actually on, on Instagram, it's AL Weddings. And we'll link to both yeah. of these in the show notes. But you got to check out Alex's hair. It is some of the, probably the most epic red hair that I've ever seen. I, I like to think so. You know, I like to think that like Sean White. That's and, why I had to lock him down when he was 17. <laughs> <laughs> if Sansa Stark was a guy. Oh, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be you. Me. That'd be you. All right. <laughs> Little Game of Thrones for, reference for those there. people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you point out being in Birmingham. What, what's the population of Birmingham right now? Do you oh, know, roughly? Goodness. I'm so bad with, like, statistics. Well, yeah, I don't I know. Google it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to actually was, try to pull it up here as, as we're talking. But I was I, say, it was much bigger, uh, or it's much bigger now than it was when, like, Alex and I were in high school. Yeah, so so blossoming. Birmingham is has a... a the kind of like a revitalization process that's been happening over the past 10 years, maybe where, you know, it, it hasn't always been the best city. It's been, you know, there's always been like nice things to do. And we've, we, we have some things, but it, it, as far as like crime and just certain things, it wasn't the best, like you didn't go there to hang out um, sure. on the, on a Saturday night for yeah. the most part. And I don't really know what the the start of that was, but, but anyway, over the past 10 years, there's been a lot of, you know, just restaurants and and parks and just new developments. And it's a, I I believe it's only one of the top growing cities in America right now. Like it's very fast growing, lots of lofts, a lot of, a lot of city life going back to Birmingham instead of. It's, a, it's very inspiring um, to watch a yeah. city grow like that. Yeah, Chattanooga has seen a, a similar revitalization over the last, I'd say, 10 years or so. And, and actually, speaking of crime rates, I mean, Chattanooga was actually ranked up there with Chicago or even higher than Chicago in violent crime per capita. It was, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. You wouldn't guess it, but it is definitely turned into a, a, a different place, um, at, at least slowly. And certainly there's been a lot of development and it's kind of a cool hipster place to go hang out now. But the reason I bring <laughs> up the smaller market, and I did look at Birmingham and, and population looks like it's similar to city proper of Chattanooga, about a couple hundred thousand or so. The reason I bring that up is because I had the opportunity as a wedding photographer back in 2000, well, starting in 2001, to be in a small market, a conservative market, a traditional market, and to bring what at the time we were calling contemporary. It's kind of funny to think back on the, the terminology we were using back then now, but contemporary wedding photography and this kind of what we were also terming at the time journalistic, you know, wedding photojournalism and bring that from California to Chattanooga. And we had an opportunity to be able to set ourselves apart in a market that wasn't used to this type of a product. So when I think about you guys as a kind of a hybrid business that it's offering both photo and cinema and oh, by the way, two couples as well, 
you're immediately in a, a really great place to position yourselves against the so-called competition, or at least to, to grab a hill and stand on that amidst the other businesses in town and actually stand out. And you speak about your personalities. And, and I think ultimately, you know, when it comes to marketing, it makes it so much easier to market if we have a clear and distinct brand position. Uh, but ultimately, what largely sets us apart, or at least enables us to connect with a client and create a really incredible experience is our personalities. And I love that at the end of the day that they're pointing to that. And and that we have to keep that in mind. As much as it's easy to talk about creating a positive experience for our clients, genuinely making an effort to, to make a connection that goes beyond just surface level conversation can can have a massive impact. Oh, yeah. And I, I definitely agree. And, and, and when we've like talked or coached or, you know, just whatever Tuesday together meetings, whatever it may be. Like if we were, if we give advice on certain things, like we always tell like some newer people, like it's not always about this like gear or just amazing portfolio and epic shots and, you know, all this stuff. Like there's so much more that I think goes into a business like ours where we're serving, you know, clients and and people on a, a very happy day of their life and things like that, that, you know, it's, it's not so much of just like, you know, great works, fantastic. But I think, um, a lot of, you know, millennials and whatever the, the new gener- generation Z, whatever it's called, you know, like they want more of a connection with their businesses. And, and I think we see that in a ton of marketing in, in other industries as well, where, where clients, uh, consumers care more about like, the story or the people or whatever it is. And then it is like the, the actual product. Does that make sense? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Well, personal it, connection matters, especially when yeah. the, the, there's so much noise out there and, and it's easy to become kind of a number. Uh, yeah. Personal connection. Not only does it matter, uh, people want it, even if they don't realize it, but it also sets you apart, especially if, and I, and I have to stress this because I see this even in our photo industry and in interaction with other photographers and so-called, you know, celebrities or teachers or otherwise, there, there is a, a tendency to go to surface level interaction, whether it's for, well, whatever the reason, the psychology driving the behavior of the individual, but there's a tendency to avoid going deeper. And there's really wonderful opportunity to make a significant impact in somebody's life by actually like genuinely, not just talking about it, not just saying it, but genuinely caring about the person that you're looking at or having a conversation with. And that will truly translate in a way that maybe you don't even realize in the moment, but it, it can make a really big impact. And that carries over to our businesses as well. And yeah, it may take a little bit of extra effort and maybe you're a little bit more emotionally drained at the end of the day, but the impact that you're making and the the sense of fulfillment that you will ultimately experience as a result of it is well worth the investment and in energy. So I think it's, we can't we can't stress that enough. The other thing I do want to point out very quickly before we keep going is, especially for photographers in a small market, just like Sarah and Alex and uh, your, your partners are, are um, Katie and... And Alex as well. And Alex so as well. It gets kind of confusing. <laughs> I bet, yeah. But the way that you guys have, have created something that's unique there in a small market, it really puts you in a great position. And for those photographers who are starting a business, don't just simply start a wedding photography business or a portrait photography business, but look for an opportunity in your market to do something different than those who already have an established business there. It's going to make marketing and ultimately setting yourself apart way easier. So I just want to throw that out there because that it, we really can't minimize the significance of that at all. From all that you guys have learned as business owners so far, what piece of advice would you be quickest to share with a fellow photographer? 
me and Alex kind of, we, we've like talked about this over and over. And I think some, some of it depends on where they are, but I think no matter where you are, remembering to educate and continue to move forward and to just learn from every possible outlet that you can think of. I think that we so easily see people that we know kind of just stay in the same place after years and years. And it's just because like, you got to go out there, you got to figure out what you can do better. And whether that's you starting out, like this is my first year, um, or even Alex and I, we're in, uh, this is our sixth year and we still are constantly like, we did that. How can we make it better? And I, I think continually to progress. Yeah. And, and, and to like add on to that, like I, I definitely, that, that was definitely one of the things that we shared was like education is one. It's so, it's so, there's so much of it out there. And there's so much free education out there. And um, I mean, heck, you can you can learn about anything you want to from uh, a, a great podcast or like a YouTube channel or creative life. I mean, there's just all these different outlets where you can get a free education or, you know, uh, conferences or any of that uh, coaching or, you know, things that, um, you know, it costs a little bit more. But like the the benefit that you get from from getting that type of education is just like it, it will set you leaps and bounds further than having to figure out all that stuff by yourself. And, and that's why I'm the better photographer, right? <laughs> no, I'm the better photographer because I taught you, yeah, you accepted the education. Alex, Alex was the first photographer. Then he taught me how to be a photographer. And so now we always joke that I'm better because I learned. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My, my former business partner was the same thing. I, I kind of was the, the lead when it came to photography and the technical side of photography. And she ended up coming along and really just kind of blowing me away as, as an actual artist and a photographer, her ability with composition to be able to see a, an image ultimately surpassed mine. And, and, uh, so, but w- one of the things that we would do is we, we shot with Nikon cameras and you could set the, the file name of the camera in camera. Yeah. So we would create I know exactly what you're about to say. Yeah. So we'd create this prefix because we get home from a wedding, shooting a wedding and we'd be like, wait a minute, you know, we'd see this great image in front of us. And it's like, who shot that? Was that my, I don't, I don't remember. Was it mine? Was it yours? And we wanted to make sure we that we got credit where credit was due. So we exactly. we started creating this prefix in in the naming uh, profile of these images that were coming out of the camera, so that we would know who shot what. Yeah, th- we do we the do exa- exact exact <laughs> same thing. And so, like, and Alex likes to see the final numbers. What are my yeah? So so <laughs> to to I feel like this might be uh, hopping a little ahead, but some of, some of our workflow, the way that because we have we use photographers edit. And the way that we kind of like uh, do our sample edits is that we, we edit the ones that are for the blog post. And so when Sarah gets through and labels them green and that's, you know, that they've been edited, we'll go through and be like, wow, who got how many numbers for the blog post? And, <laughs> um, we'll see who had the most or whatever. So it's that's or, awesome. or, uh, or we'll watch out for our clients and be like, which one did they set as their profile photo? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that will always get me every time. Well, and I have to mention too, I mean, first of all, thanks for the, the shout out to Photographer's Edit. And we, we actually don't talk a lot about PE here on the podcast, but I, I do want to highlight what you just described, which is for those of you who are curious about what it looks like to outsource editing, what, what Sarah and Alex were just talking about, um, what Alex was describing with the, the Lightroom catalog and being able to flag images because of the technology built in the Lightroom and you have a Lightroom catalog and smart previews, which are basically like mini raw files, it's very, very easy not only to send an order in, 
but say to our team, hey, look at these images that I've flagged green and use these as points of reference when you process this order. And that gives our team a visual reference of how to go about processing those images that goes beyond the very kind of arbitrary, subjective nature of saying, I like warm white balance or I like high contrast because that means a million different things to a million different people. And so that really helps in, it ultimately helps with the consistency of the finished product, which is really great. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we could probably have a whole hour where we just talk about how much we love photographers edit and how much it's like save time off our life. It, it really is a quality thing. So yeah, we, sure. like I said, we could sit and talk about that forever, but that I, I did kind of throw that in there. So well, I, I, I do right. appreciate that. It was definitely not a talking point on the outline for those of you who are curious. They're like, Oh, he totally planned that. To no, that was in. not, that was a like <laughs> literally th- that's our life. We used photographers edit for ever, but I, I don't think that's exactly how we met, but yeah, like we, I mean, we love photographers at it. So well, I truly appreciate that really do. And actually it's a good segue into my next question though, which is about time. I mean, you mentioned how much time photographers at it saves you, but are there other tips, techniques, workflow tricks that you utilize to create time for yourselves? You have a three-year-old son time for family in your lives that enable you to kind of get away from the computer and do more than just work. Yes. Oh yeah. Like, um, we have like a two part thing because yeah, Alex and I are very different. Opposite to tract would definitely describe us. Very well. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of the main one. Cause as a lot of people know, especially anybody's solo team, it's hard to have two people doing like the same thing. So it'd be almost mm-hmm. impossible for Alex and I to both edit because chances are like the edits would just end up being a little different. So I'm actually the main Kohler and the main editor with our work. And so I actually just structure my workflow to be like, those are my must have things. And photographers edit really does like, it is part of that. Like I know a Monday after a wedding, um, I have to call and on Tuesday, I have to do my sample edits and submit for my orders to be due by Wednesday. I am so brutal on myself, but that allows me. Brutal in what way? Explain. So so I'll set the scene because it'll be like a Monday. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Heck, even if we had like a double, we just recently had a double wedding weekend. And uh, I was like, babe, maybe we should just like, you know, relax and like take the Monday off. And, uh, and no, Sarah's like, I got to get my order in. I got to, I got to order due. I got to get a blog. Like she's very, (laughs) which is fantastic. Like, I'm not saying that to pick on her. It's fantastic. So Sarah has this like very hyper-focused, redundant, workflow that she does for every wedding client for the most part. And so like she sticks to it to a T so she can have flexibility with either later in the day or later in the week. Yeah. Cause I was about to say, it's not like I'm doing this thing all day. Like we have five hours before our son gets out of his daycare. Quote yeah. unquote, program. So, but it only takes me an hour to call. And so on Monday, that's impressive. She's fast. Yeah. Can I, can I uh, plug that one? Um, (laughs) But yeah, it only takes me an hour to call. And so I still have time for other client stuff. And usually I'll sometimes continue to edit on Monday. Then on Tuesday I do my sample edits. That takes me about an hour. And so I only have two hours into my clients. I send it off to photographers and I'm done. But when, by Tuesday afternoon, I'm done with the wedding. And then then they give me my photos back by Friday. I deliver it. And the client's like, wow, you're so fast. I'm like, (laughs) I did not put that much time into it. But that's just because like we, we have this structured workflow. And so I am like such, I know if I don't do that, like I won't have time for friends in the evening. I won't have time for my child in the afternoon. Like that's why I just get really, really crazy. And then also that means on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, if I want to sleep in, I can sleep in. Yeah. Um, Cause I like to sleep. 
That's brilliant, though. I mean, that's, you know, and and we say this and it almost sounds cliche, but we started a business to be our own boss and to actually have a flexible schedule. And if we're not creating a lifestyle and a business model, ultimately, that supports that proactively, like we're actually intentionally creating that, then it can very easily run our lives. But this is a great example of how you've created a workflow for yourself that actually encourages that free time. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I think one thing that really made us like hone in that workflow and that schedule was our kid. Like when, when we had Jackson, like it was chaos, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you're trying, like it's, it's chaotic for anybody who even has like a, a, a nine to five or whatever, like figuring out a kid that's at home with you at your, your business is, was, was really hard. And you're trying to figure out like, how do I fit all this in? And like, okay, they nap for two hours, like what, whatever, like, how do you get the most amount of work done? And I think that's where Sarah got really good at like calling and like just hammering this stuff out because, you know, a nap time is a nap time. And if that's what you have to work with, then, you know, you, 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 you kind of give your, you give your, like, what is the saying? Like a task takes as long as you give yourself yep. to do it. Yeah, it's so true. And, and, you know, that is 100% true in our household. Like, I'll preach to my friends that don't have kids. I'm like, look, like I know that you do have 12 hours in the day before you need to sleep again. Cause we like to sleep 12 hours. Um, no, but um, you have all that time, even without a kid. And really like I was, after we had Jack, I was like, we didn't spend enough of our lives for like with just me and you living. Like when we had, when we started ale weddings, it was ale weddings all the time. All the time. We didn't socialize. We didn't do anything. We had Jack's and now, Honestly, I probably hang out with my friends more now than I did before he he, he yeah. was born because wow. I just was like, well, we figured out that structure. All the time. Yeah, we figured out that structure and that workflow, which really lended into our like personal life and everything. So that like chaos of you know six months or whatever until we kind of like got our life figured out with the kid and the business and all that. Um, it really lended to help ourselves later on when all of that stuff kind of got on autopilot and it was easy to do. Well, and it's, I mean, urgency really can create or encourage rather productivity, but a yeah. lot of it is, is in what you decide to do with it, right? Because it's easy to get lost. You can, you can be stressed out by all the things that you have to get done as a parent, a business owner, et cetera. And, and then let that overwhelm just crush you. And I've been yeah. in places like that, it, you know, one source of stress or another, whether it was personal or professional in nature, just kind of let it run me versus yeah. proactively deciding, okay, you know what, here's an opportunity. Things are a little bit crazy right now, but if I, and I'm going to use a, a, a cliche word here, but intentional about creating the structure, like you were saying, Alex, a workflow of sorts, a system. And I put that in place. It's only, it's not only going to enable me to get these things accomplished, but also have some breathing room at the end. Yeah. And, and it's funny you say that. Cause I mean, like, we don't want to sit here and say like, Oh, we've got everything figured out. Cause I think anybody in business, I think right when you think you got it figured out, you don't like something in life will happen or a new thing will happen or whatever. You'll have an identity crisis. I don't know, but like something will happen. And we go through those, whether it's just stressful times or what. I mean, we, we literally just got out of one We're we're building a house and we're moving and, you know, spring break, like all this stuff was happening at the time of seven weddings back to back, like all this stuff, it was chaos. And, uh, and we literally just fell out of every routine that we had. It was just like, just figuring out as it goes. 
and you survival. know yeah like just we fell into survival mode and it's like there's dishes everywhere and there's laundry and grass and, and grass you know, we, <laughs> just, yeah grass you had to, you had to make some plant reference there well well <laughs> well the plants always the plants always get taken care of so uh, i don't know if we reference that a, a lot i don't but, think the greenhouse ran out of heat though so yeah the, the plants happen. always took a priority um <laughs> one of these but, days uh, we're gonna have to dig into the significance of plants in your life but um, in all seriousness, you, you talk about the significance of adjusting as, as you go. And, and I, you mentioned this earlier on in, in your business, the significance of learning and growing. And it, it isn't necessarily about having it all figured out because things do change, right? So yeah. the importance of continuing to iterate, to see what's going on, to make adjustments accordingly, it's so important. You have to be flexible. Life, life becomes not only chaotic and stressful, um, but certainly not as fun if you don't learn how to be flexible and kind of go with the flow and make adjustments as necessary. And uh, again, another principle that can't be stressed enough, you know, some, some of you who may be listening in, you may realize that we talk a lot about kind of philosophical principles. They're not earth shattering principles, basic philosophical principles that not only can enable you to live a more free life, but have a more productive business. And I think it's really important that we that we not only focus on these, but in some cases reiterate them because it's the principles that enable us then to put the systems, the kinds of systems in place that Sarah and Alex are alluding to. Just having tools, but not understanding why you're using them, it's not a really great place to be. Understanding why you do what you do, and then picking the tools and the systems and putting them in place accordingly is a way more effective way to go about running a business and ultimately having a life at the end of the day. Just very briefly, though, you alluded to um, not necessarily delegation, but roles, the significance of roles. So Sarah, for example, you handled the editing side of things. Alex, what's a role that you've taken on that's different than Sarah's? Well, so like we, we kind of, uh, this was one of like our identity crisis type thing. I don't know if that's the correct <laughs> word, but like we had this struggle probably halfway through where you, you, like when, when photographing, we would be like, uh, like stepping on each other's toes. Like who's getting that primary angle? Who's, you know, air quotes, like first shooter, what, you know, like, right we had these issues where we kept stepping on each other's toes and we were like, we've really got to set like, you know, some loose, loose roles are not hard and fast and um, roles, but it's like, you know, we've got to set these. And so they've kind of evolved over the years, but you know, like my background is in graphic design. So like anything that comes in with like um, whether it's like collateral or like a big one we're doing right now is the website a lot of those like technical tasks or, Hey, Lightroom's not working for me, babe. Can you come figure out what's wrong with this? Oh yeah. (laughs) Alex's role off a wedding day is tech support. He is my (laughs) tech support at a hundred percent of the time. I'll be like, I don't know what's wrong. And he's like, you haven't updated your computer in four months. No, you haven't updated my computer in four months. I'm not supposed to do that. So he's like a very good tech guy. But I do some of the blogging, um, some of the social media, a lot of the Instagram live (laughs) or Instagram stories. But yeah, so I mean, like those, some of those roles vary just depending on what the week is. I mean, we're we're both kind of communicating with with clients or consults and stuff like that. But um, they definitely kind of vary depending on, you know, what's going on. So like I said, right now, my my big task is um, getting our new website up. That's his only task. That's my only task. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, you pointed out kind of jokingly, but I think it's an interesting point of conversation that the quote being a, a first shooter at the end of the day, we're, you know, roles can play a very helpful or it can make a big difference, I should say, ultimately, and not only the productivity, but even I guess the enjoyment 
uh, factor of running a business. It's not about one person being better than the other. It's about figuring out where you can best use your strengths for the sake of the team and for the sake of the business. We have to kind of set our egos aside for that conversation to happen honestly, but what it can translate to in productivity is quite significant. I think everybody's lives are better at the end of the day if, if that's gone about, again, without ego and, and with a yeah. little bit of thought involved. Well, and especially with husband and wife teams, like, you know, if, if, uh, if there's not some structure there, you're kind of like losing that, that valuable, uh, like asset that you have where like, there are two of us, we can knock out double the amount of work in our five hour day. So like, if it's not there and it's was something like, Oh, well, who's editing this wedding or even like worse, like you're going to edit your half and I'm going to edit my half or, you know, some of that stuff. Like if we just didn't have some of the structure where Sarah could like be calling and editing our sample edits and I could be writing the blog post. And then that it's just that much quicker, right? you know, for, for things to happen. Well, and I was going to allude to more on like, so back in the day when we didn't have roles and it was like, Oh, I feel like doing details today. I'll do the details. You go do whatever, whatever it is you do. And then we finally was like, okay, we need to like pick out things that each of us is good at, where our strong suits are. And it honestly, not that we ever, nobody would ever know that we fought on a wedding day or anything like that. (laughs) But I will say like, people need to know, like working with your husband and wife, especially those who are full-timers, y'all do not get time away. And a wedding day is is not like this magical day where like people just won't fight or get irritated with each other. Right. But I would say having distinguished roles prevents that from happening because it, it's yeah. like, okay, you do the dress, you do the dress every time. I'm just going to leave you alone. not going to tell you what to do. You go do your thing and I'll be back. And it makes you not even have to think like we'll walk into a wedding day and we know what my role is to grab the dress and go photograph the dress and the flowers or whatever. Yeah. And then you grab the rings and the invitation suite and stuff like that. So it, you know, that repetitiveness can definitely just help with not even having to think about things. And that was kind of, I was going to say earlier was that like some of these routines that you set in place may be hard in the beginning uh, or may take a little bit more time in the beginning. But like, once you kind of fall into that uh, routine a little bit, it's so much easier. So, and faster. And, you know, like that's one thing that we really have figured out over the six years of doing this is like, there, there has to be some sort of structure to what each of our roles are, and it's going to make things a lot more efficient. 100%. Yeah. No, that's that's yeah. really, really good. I, I'm, I'm curious. It, you all seem like, I don't know, you might have an interesting list of, of books that you've read. What is an impactful business or self-help book that you've read as of late or even the last few years that, that you've really enjoyed or that's been particularly impactful to your lives? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we were joking about this a little bit before the, the podcast, but we, we fell into a, a horrible routine of watching TV more than... <laughs> or watchers. <laughs> yeah. so, we read little. Yeah. So so we, we do read. We've kind of had to add some more structure to our life where all right, we've watched Friends four times. Um, let's <laughs> let's cut out one episode a night and let's read for thirty minutes or something. So, yeah, yeah. So we've had to really yeah. help ourselves there and 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 make time for educating ourselves. But I kind of have. I think we both kind of shared the the some very impactful books. But I feel like I have two. We have two, and so like 
One for me is the Miracle Morning. And like, that was kind of where we we're going, like with the different <laughs> routines. The Miracle Morning, for those of you who have are you familiar with the Miracle Morning? I think, I, I think I've maybe briefly heard of it before, but okay. I, I'm also curious, particularly curious now because you have Sarah laughing in the background. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll explain. Okay. So, a paragraph in the book, they say, even for morning people, this will work. Yeah. So, so it's all about starting your day off in a very like, you know, structured and like specific way, you know, like the the book is very detailed and and he goes into having this very elaborate morning routine. But the idea is to, to take, you know, just some parts of, of your morning and have a structure to it. And, you know, I feel like most people, especially with a kid, you you wake up when your, your kid's either crying or when it's 30 minutes before school and it's just rush, 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 rush to get out the door. Yeah. And he says basically that this will help like your overall life, it will help you be better in business. Like doing this basically will just right. overhaul so, your whole. So, but, but that's kind of how he starts yeah. the book is that most people wake up when they literally have to <laughs> and to get the task done and then, you know, to make it on time to work or whatever, and that they don't really start their morning off in a, like a calm manner or in an easy manner. So he kind of, the first thing that he kind of really starts to talk about is like, all right, if you need to be at work at nine, don't get up at eight 30 and just rush out the door and grab a pop tart and get up early, have some time for yourself and, you know, read or, um, you know, what, whatever it may be, just like having some intentional time in the morning to meditate or read your Bible, whatever, whatever it is that you do and just not like start it off on a calmer note. Yeah. And the, the, most of the premise is getting up earlier than what you would typically. And so that's why Sarah's laughing is because uh, <laughs> I tried it I lasted literally <laughs> a week. And I was like, this is, I believe in it. I think it might be good, but, <laughs> but, uh, but man, I just like, can't part myself from the bed. And it's not like I don't have a routine. Like I'm not like just like rushing to get to my computer. I have a routine. It's just, if I wake up late, it means I'll start work in an hour later than I wanted to. So. Yeah. But so, so my routine's a little bit different. I like to get up before, yeah, before, before <laughs> Jax is yelling our name out of his bed yep. or, um, or the, or the sunrise. I just, I like to get up and I like to make my coffee and like <laughs> here recently I have Alexa tell me the news <laughs> and just like kind of start that day off and, you know, check out some of the plants or just whatever, whatever's going on. <laughs> and I ease into walking into my office to work. Okay. So it's not just like this super process where I get out of bed, grab a pop tart and I'm eating breakfast and drinking my coffee while I'm starting to work. There is, you know, it's such a simple idea, but the, the, the idea yeah. of, of not rushing in mm-hmm. and of itself, it's amazing how it can minimize stress. Like we have we, in 2019 first world American culture, we, we have it made in so many different ways. And yet, despite that, we create stress for ourselves. And one of the ways that we do that is to just kind of cram things in. We don't plan proactively or intentionally. And as a result, we end up rushing and it causes tension in relationships. It causes stress for us individually. And, you know, doing something as simple as getting up even a half hour earlier so you're not having to rush or leaving for the airport half hour earlier again so you're not having to rush or whatever it might be it just it helps minimize stress and these are simple things people talk very reactively about how like the life's just kind of running them and the reality is they can make the life that they want to and that includes a schedule and i yeah i definitely agree with that like it, it, that's what a lot of that book 
structures and like i said it goes very detailed sure but we you know i took the parts that that helped me and and i'm i mean i'm not sitting here saying that i love getting up at six o'clock in the morning i mean i don't i'd much rather sleep until 10 or whatever but like i know that i feel much better when i intentionally get up and i ease into my day and don't feel like that i have to like you know just scarf down breakfast or that i don't have time to just like like i'll tell you even a big one for me is like being able to scroll through social media and like set intentional time for social media. So when I am working, I don't feel like, you know, like, I mean, I'm not going to act like we don't all have like that FOMO and, and, uh, but if I like, I can look at social media and kind of get through that and like, you know, I don't feel like I have to check it later in the day or like, you know, immediately or anything. So like, it sounds weird, crazy, but if you're one of those people that like wakes up and like immediately checks social media, then add that into your like morning routine of making like, you know, get up, get out of bed and give yourself 20 minutes to check Instagram and start your morning. You know, like your, your, your time doesn't have to be meditation or sitting in, you know, silence. Do I need to have an intervention with you? Well, <laughs> you I'm, the apps off I, your phone? I, I am. I'm, I'm saying that uh, more so pointed at you. <laughs> oh, okay. oh no, no, no. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> but no, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm picking it, Sarah. But I, I definitely have that. Like I, I find a lot in that structure. Yeah. In my morning. And well, so, and again, it's very proactive in nature, right? So it's it's easy yeah. to to. I, I don't know if React is actually the the correct term here, but we have that Instagram app on our phone, and it is easy to just go to that habitually and end up spending a bunch of time there and then the day or even the next hour or two, whatever gets away from us. And then we aren't productive and then we're stressed because we're rushed because we have to get this thing done or we feel bad because we didn't get enough done in the day or whatever it might be. Again, you can be intentional as Alex was just describing, set aside a segment of time for that and then put it away and then go get the thing done or the things done that you need to. And and that'll help minimize stress. You're still productive and you're still getting to do what you want to do. It's kind of best of of all yeah, worlds. You're, you're just, you're starting that work day off on the best foot that you can. Yeah. So, and we're, and I, I have to jump in here really quick because we're, we're actually, um, I, know we're I, I want to make sure I respect everybody's time, including <laughs> you all's. I know that you have things to do as well, but I love the conversation. I love the free flowing conversation, but we're going to come up on a pretty loaded topic here on posing uh, here in just a second, but you mentioned the second book. Can you mention that second book so we can also link to that in the show notes? Yeah, Total Money Makeover, I think, just helped us as a business and a couple, again, like kind of have like intentional ways to where to put our money, what to do with our money. And I think that's a good foundation for a, a, a new business of of someone who's trying to figure out how to go to full time. And, you know, there's so much to figure out. And I think I mean, in all honesty, money plays a huge factor in that. I mean, like, you know, you can't go full time and pay your mortgage if you don't have money. So I think Total Money Makeover was just a a good thing to kind of start to follow. And um, I think for anybody, like I said, getting started, it's it's a great read. It's it's an easy read, too. Yeah, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And again, a lot of that book is driven by the philosophical principle of being intentional or being proactive is another word that we use here a lot on the, the podcast, but it's that idea of deciding what you want and then creating the system, the structure that enables you to have what you want. And you can do so intelligently. And, and Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. That's a good point of reference if you're looking for a better way to manage your finances, uh, as well as Miracle Morning, how to get started in the morning, even if it's a little bit later, Sarah. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. There are ways that, that you can take advantage of that morning and have a good start to your day. So uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. By the way, bocapodcast.com, for those of you listening in, take advantage. The resource there, or the resources there are pretty incredible. Haley is putting together an even more detailed show notes section. So make sure you go take a look at that. And these resources we've talked about today will be there in the show notes. Let's go ahead and actually just skip directly to our conversation today about posing because um, this is a big, big topic. And I know that you all have a lot to share around this. And for anyone who's been a photographer, I shot weddings for over 10 years, engagement sessions, uh, a portrait session here and there. And one of the scenarios you certainly don't want to end up in is to, to be standing there, particularly in front of a couple and you need to photograph a session and you just can't come up with the next pose either because you've been photographing like crazy and you just totally burn out. And you're like, I'm doing the same thing all the time. Or you're, you just had a blank because you didn't get enough sleep last night and you don't know where to go next in that posing workflow. And uh, so I'd, let, I'd really like to be able to, to have you all share today with our listeners how they can better approach posing and do so in, in a pretty efficient, pretty simple way. Before you do, though, I, again, I'd like to go to the, the philosophy and kind of go a little bit deeper. Can you help our listeners understand how to better set the tone, the right atmosphere for couples to make the posing go even more smoothly? Yeah, for sure. So I guess like a preemptive thing to this is saying like, which is something I have to think about. Every client is there usually first, maybe second time if you do an engagement session on a wedding day, working with you. And therefore, nobody's sitting there next to you going, you used that buzz last week. Like, it's just not happening. So take what we say and then know that each client is experiencing you for the first time. And so therefore, it doesn't matter if you're repetitive, hmm, okay. really, because they're not, I mean, they're really not going to know. Do you, do you think that that, and this is interesting that you brought this up because yet, even yesterday I was thinking about this. Do you think that having a posing workflow, and I know you're going to share yours here in just a, a few minutes, but do you think having a posing workflow that you kind of tend to go to repetitively can affect your portfolio negatively? And I mean, I I'd realize at the end of the day, much of the so-called portfolio viewing happens by photographers and not potential clients. But do you think it has any effect on that? Well, I, I think the way that, and we'll get into this in a little bit, like we have these, um, this, this structure of poses that we do that we can kind of keep in our mind. But I think the way that we interact with our clients and the cute, like I say cues lightly, like we don't have corny jokes or anything, but just kind of the ways that we guide them into those poses. Yeah. um, They're not super, super specific. We give them the guidance and we tell them what to do, but like a a very like simple way to explain kind of what I'm talking about is if you, if we tell our couple to hold hands, we're not saying like cup your hands, don't lace them or something like that. And that goes into a lot of our other poses where, um, it's not just this, if they need more guidance, we'll give it to them, but it's not just this very, very specific uh, pose. And so they might, as a couple, just do the, some of the different things by themselves. So I think each client, if you let their personality come out, then the poses will be different from client to client. At least that's the way that I think. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would agree because I feel like what we do is like our fallback plan with Uh, if we didn't sleep the night before, or if the client's kind of awkward, so they don't have, you know, a lot of the feedback that we get from more extroverted people, Um, things like that. I think a lot of times you'll find that your inspiration will strike when your stress goes away. So we kind of have the flow. So that way our stress goes away. And then usually mid flow, there'll be some inspiration that strikes. Well, I'll be like, Oh, I see this. I see this. Yeah. It's like the in-between stuff. Like we'll have that, like, 
we'll have that, you know, pose three, whatever, you know, like the one that is kind of in our brain, but we'll see something or they'll do something that's a little different or we get just inspired to whatever it is, like where you just kind of saw something a slight bit different, you know, having five pose, whatever it is set in your brain or just kind of like, like home points. They're just, they're just base ways and clients and you and whatever can always kind of uh, alter those slightly. And I think each client, if you, if you've educated them and their, their guards down and their, their personalities out, I think poses will, will 100% be different, even if they're kind of the same loose goal. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, points of reference. And and so that yeah. you don't end up standing there in front of the couple with a blank stare trying to figure out what's next. You always have that that you can go back to if you need to. But I also like the idea of not making it so strict and so limited Definitely. that it then becomes kind of robotic and you can see yes. that in the couples. Yeah, I, I, I get that. That makes sense. Okay, so talk to us about setting the, the stage, setting the tone before you actually begin posing the couple. Yeah. So um, everything starts obviously before the day of. So we do a lot of preparation for our clients. And this is like a lot of communication with them because we feel like, well, actually, most people have never been photographed probably since like senior photos, whether that's college or high school or whatever. So they don't they don't really know what questions they need to be asking, what places they need. Like you'll have some clients who are like, Oh, I've dreamed of getting my engagement photos at this location. But honestly, it's very, very rare for us. So we preparate, uh, preparate, we prep them. Um, <laughs> that should be a new word. I like to make up words. It, it does sound like, yeah, it does sound like a good verb. I, I think we might have to add that. Sarah, yeah, Sarah's, uh, uh, side note, Sarah's really good at making up yeah. words. <laughs> So, but we will go ahead and set expectations of what time they need to arrive. We'll do the location, all of that stuff and parking issues, anything that we can foresee from the locations that they have picked from our emails. Um, And I guess diving into that, our emails just kind of have go um, like our top 10 blogs of our favorite engagement sessions. Um, This doesn't really apply as much to wedding days because that's just kind of is what it is kind of thing. But you know, choosing a location for an engagement session can be stressful for people. So we just go ahead and already put in our favorite blogs and then they can go and pick or they can say, I like this, but do you have anything else? Like it just gets them jump started to where they don't feel like they're having to do anything. That email also talks about their clothing, um, any questions that they might have about the session. Um, and we just go ahead and start connecting and being their friend and we even text back and I usually text back and forth with the bride about like, what outfits are you picked? Like, do you need anything? And just like making them feel like they're not having to, like they paid us the money. And so we're kind of ushering them through the steps. And then of course, like the day before we'll be like, this is where we're meeting. This is what time we're meeting. Um, we have a place in Birmingham notorious called Railroad Park. If there's any people from Birmingham listening. And no joke, there's never parking. Never. So if we ever start there or if we're heading over there, I'll say like we need to leave like 15 minutes before we even need to start talking about maybe going to shoot. So we always tell people to arrive early if we know there's going to be issues. And I think that just like leaves them at ease. It makes us look, because we are, the professionals in and so they don't feel like they're having to think we're of experienced. And so yeah. like just, just having that education for them readily available. And, and, and most of it's easy. Just like I said, we've, we've put in a little bit of time to make a templated email that, you know, we will cater to them a little bit, but for the most part, it's a templated email that we send out and it goes over all these things of like why sunset time is important and 
how long their session is. And some of those things, like you see people in a lot of these groups complaining about their clients showing up late or not dressed appropriately or whatever. And it's, I think a lot of that does come down to, you haven't set those expectations Hmm. for those clients to know like, Hey, we have an hour and a half to two hours of this perfect light. Like if you're wanting this beautiful light that you see on my website, this is the time that we have to get it. Or if you're wanting two outfits, if you're late, we're not going to be able to do, you know, like not using that harsh of language, (laughs) but like, you know, just setting those, those expectations for them. So they know like, guys, we got like, babe, we got to be on time. We got to be here on time. Sarah told me that this traffic's kind of bad. So we're going to leave a little early, any of this stuff. Like, you know, there's the worst thing is getting a couple who's been fighting in the car, probably on the way because of traffic. And I told you so, and you get to them and they're like, you can tell you're like, okay, there's gonna be a lot of buttering. And even there, I mean, it seems like a simple approach to conversation with them. When you talk about the significance of managing expectations. And again, this is another principle that cannot be stressed enough. Communication is at the root of a good relationship, including a relationship with our clients. And so much of the experience, creating a positive experience is about managing expectations proactively. So I think this is really great. But, you know, even to minimize that the possibility of running the traffic and then that adding to stress, as you're describing, Sarah, might be even just having the client show up 15 or 20 minutes earlier than they actually need to be there, because you know that many clients are probably going to be late anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like coming from work or hair and makeup or part, part of the thing we were talking about in Birmingham earlier is uh, like a lot of our roads are being reconstructed right now. So it, it's just knowing that type of stuff and knowing some of these locations that they pick, you know, we've been there, we've done that. We know that prom's going on right now. Like we might need to, you know, pick a different location because this is a notorious spot for people to come and shoot prom foot. Like we just dealt yeah. with that. And and we always have a 30 minute buffer, which is also I, good to know. I just thought of that as you were saying that. So we tell the client the session is 90 minutes but we tell them to show up two hours before sunset. And that's because if they arrive late, I can for sure look her in the eye and be like, girl, we're fine. We're yep. good. It's good. Or yeah. we can over deliver. Or we can over deliver. If they arrive on time and they're cool to keep shooting, well, then they just got free 30 minutes. You throw in that like, oh, are you guys cool if you get like bonus time? And then they're like, oh my gosh, our photographers are amazing. <laughs> they're they're so giving awesome. us free 30 minutes. Yeah. When really we've, you know, as long as they're on time, we've, we've structured that. So there's something that you all sent to, that uh, Sarah sent to me, I think. And, and there's this quote that says, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. You're here to have fun and enjoy each other. And I, and I like the simplicity of that statement because it kind of sums up the notion that you have done all the work for them and yep. you have effectively managed the expectations. They know what they need to do. And then they get to just be there and hang out together and you can photograph them. Yeah. And that's literally, uh, that's kind of one of my that roles. Intro spiel. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that intro spiel for every client. It's the same exact thing. Of one, letting, two, three, go. Yeah. Letting them know that they have, <laughs> that nothing's really expected of them. They got here on time. That was what was expected of them. Now, like I literally joke, I said, you got, you guys paid me, let me work and, and show you guys what to do. And usually once you let them know, like, Hey, I'm going to do everything. Like, I'm going to tell you where to look, when to laugh, any of that stuff. They're like, okay, I just have to like, listen. And then to all you me. have to do is deliver on that. Like you told them that you're going to talk to them. So all you have to do after that point is talk to them. And it's the same thing on a wedding day. Like, and I think it's because brides are a little bit more stressed and they'll start the, um, what time is it? Are we good? do I, do I need to be doing something right now? Like what's going on? And literally the line that you can give them that usually makes them simmer down. is just going like, 
hey girl, like I got the timeline. You don't even need to stress. I yep. will let you're you. You're not know supposed to be worrying it. about this. We yeah, got it. and then I'll just keep that in mind, and I'll just keep telling her throughout the day, like you're good. We're we're so good. And we literally this weekend, we were an hour behind. <laughs> and the bride at the end of the night, she said, the the best decision I made was in hiring you guys. Like we were so late earlier, and you didn't even make me feel stressed about it. And I think that speaks volumes about like, you can have this facade, but giving them like that great experience, being able to get those joyful photos is not letting them stress about it. Letting yourself stress it's about real, it. If, yeah. if there's stress or any kind of thing hanging over them, it's really hard to, to break up. that down and to get these joyful photos that, that if you look at our style and our website, that's what we're all about. Like yeah. we, we do some, we do some of the somber stuff, but you know, like our, we're all about joyful and smiling and laughing and it being, you know, portrayed as the happiest day of your life. And well, and that's actually a good segue really into, I mean, you talked about the significance of managing expectations leading up to the shoot. Talk to us about maintaining a really upbeat vibe at the shoot um, as you're getting ready to shoot to really set the tone so that they're feeling comfortable. Uh, you meant you were alluding earlier, Alex, to also the significance of communication with the client or the clients, particularly in front of you in the camera. Talk to us a little bit about using uh, the, the techniques, the tips that you use to set the right tone there during the shoot. Yeah. So, so our secret, secret way <laughs> of keeping you talk about energy. plants, don't you? We talk about plants. Yep. <laughs> no, uh, we we have Red Bulls, so like that's like a part of our routine of it like getting our energy wings. up. Yo, you're you're um, totally serious. I'm 100 serious. That's like hilarious. Every one of our routines is uh, is is having a Red Bull, and and we I mean we have a kid, so it kind of drains us. Up. And we keep a 12 pack at home. I mean, of, oh. of Red Bull and beer. And beer both but... of them. Um, we have an upper and a downer pool. We go. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I say, I said that jokingly, but in all sincerity, we do. Um, it's a part of our routine on the way out, like to make sure that we are full, whether that be like a Snickers bar chips or whatever, but to get that Red Bull. And it you just guys are like, up. like really up on the health stuff. We started with a well, pop tart and then we went to <laughs> Snickers and chips. And now we got a Red Bull. Like this is, well, this is good stuff. It, this is not every We're day. living our best life. So when our parents <laughs> told us we could move out, we're moving out and we're going to eat cookies before dinner. But Nathan, if you remember correctly, we've structured our day and our morning <laughs> specifically so we can go to the gym. So that you can then eat your Snickers bar. We can, we can quit work at two and we can go to the gym. So, um, to, to fix that Red Bull and and pop tart, but (laughs) it it, it does sound kind of unhealthy, but it is just, just for that, the, those days, like those. Yeah. We don't have Red Bull any other time. We have one session (laughs) a week and one week. That's pretty Do you, do you actually bring it along to give it to the client as well? If they want one. Yeah, well, you know, know we probably, yeah, we, we probably <laughs> should do that. But, you know, in all honesty, I feel like um, that, like that does just kind of help our energy and, um, and stuff like that works for us. I know that's not like, you know, it could give people jitters or whatever, but that really does. I'm dead serious. That, that okay, kind of helps you us jitters, drink half a Red Bull. Yeah. It, it helps <laughs> just us kidding. just bring just a little bit more energy and, you know, whatever. But that but, really does well, set, I mean, setting that tone, I, I have a tendency and, and I think to my detriment at times of playing off somebody else's energy. But the reality is I think a lot of humans are the, the same way. If, if you set the tone, which is upbeat and positive and engaged and interested and caring and kind and complimentary, we're going to talk about the, the, the importance of communicating with the client as you photograph them. That really just, it, it really truly sets a tone for a great, great session. This may not even be a, you know, a model client in one way or another, 
But if you're setting a really positive tone and you get real emotion because they're relaxed and they're having fun, it makes all the difference in the world in the images. It really does. And, and so we have to bring that with, with our style and what we want to achieve. We have to bring that even extra bit of energy. And Sarah even brings more than I do. And, and not everybody, yeah, like not everybody has to be at like a 10. Sure. If y'all watch us on Instagram and see like some behind the scenes and Sarah's like singing, oh my gosh. And like, you know, really high pitch, like Mm -hmm. not everybody has to do that to get these like um, really emotive photos that we get or really energetic photos. But I think it plays a huge factor in, in us having matching and or exceeding the energy that they're we're asking them to give us. Hmm. Okay. So, so we bring that a lot and encourage and, and just are always upbeat and positive during that posing process. And I think that really lets our clients like, we're not lying to them, but if we're like, you know, constantly just building their confidence and telling them they're doing it fantastic when they are, you know, we're, we're giving them the guidance, but that takes a lot of energy, <laughs> you know, like we have to feed them and feed them and feed them. And, um, and literally when we're done with engagement sessions, like on the way home, like, or, or, you know, wedding days, even more so, but engagement sessions, just an hour and a half to two hours. We don't talk to each other on the way home. Like we are out of energy. We have used every bit of it to get these, th- this outcome for our clients. Yeah. And I think like, I've only, we talked about this last night. I've only met one person that actually exceeded my energy and I was unable (laughs) to exceed hers. But I think like, obviously there's like super quiet people. And if I come in at a 10, they'll probably take more offense to that. Like it'll make them stress more than I'm so high above them. But yeah, so I'll limit back a little bit on that. But on like a majority of extroverts, if you give them like most of them, I would say are like sevens. And so if I give them a 10, they can quickly jump to a 10 with me. um, And that allows them to like be fun. And then if I'm going to ask them to do something that I think feels awkward, like they're like, okay, like like, Sarah's like, Sarah's doing it. It's crazy. I'll just kind of do that. And if I'm ever like having an an internal battle, because I feel like sometimes people think that they can't show this facade in front of the client. I'll even give them like a thing. Like I have this thing in my mind. I think it's going to look good, but I'm just going to try it and see. And I feel like any negative Thing that I'm going to say is going to be negative on me, not on them. So I'm telling them that I haven't tried it before. I'm going to try it with them. It's not them that does it wrong. It would be me that does it wrong. Constantly using positive language. And even if they do something wrong, just continue to shoot through it and don't tell them that they did it wrong. And then try to say it in a different way to make them do it right. Yeah. Cause I think Cause that shutter click, it. you know, really does kind of feed into their, just um, I, oh my gosh, I'm doing this right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, we're not just like, hammering it or anything like that like you're not just like you know six frames a second or whatever but like we're constantly talking to them we're constantly feeding them we're constantly encouraging them and letting them know that they're doing this right and um and keeping that shutter going and they will just they'll respond to that if if it's just dead silence and it's like you that's fantastic you did good like they're not gonna feel that that's really (laughs) accurate you know Well, and and not only that, but I was alluding to this idea earlier of the way that we engage with people in conversation, but I think it carries over to photographing a couple or a client as well. The compliments that that we give them, I mean, carrying an energy in and of itself can be impactful, but then the compliments that we are giving to the client, if they are genuine, if we actually mean what we're saying, 
that can also carry over too in the way that they are feeling. And, and you're right, Alex. I mean, if, if they hear that, that shutter clicking, if, if it, things go silent, if the camera's not taking a picture and you're not it's talking, weird. it's awkward. It's awkward. You talk, yeah. Yeah, you talk about creating a really difficult situation for the client, especially for somebody who's never been in front of the camera before. So that, that effort, the consistent effort at engaging them, even when you're behind the camera, guiding them as necessary, complimenting them consistently. It, it's really, really important. Uh, but let's actually get to the, the posing. What does this posing workflow look like? I mean, we've set the expectations, we've set, <laughs> set the tone. Yep. I want to make it really tangible for our listeners, help them understand how they can go about, especially for new photographers, but even for photographers who've been doing it for a little while, they may need an actual flow. They just kind of haphazardly pick this thing and that thing when they work with their couples. What's a really great, easy workflow that they can use when it comes to posing the couples in front of their camera? So I totally don't know if this is a coin term by anybody else, but we call it um, a posing circle. So if you picture a circle and your client is in the middle of it is kind of, I guess. How and would and they would, that. they Move rotate around yeah. that. So basically uh, I'll set this for Sarah, but yeah. basically if it's this circle, if you're imagining a circle and like their feet are, you know, kind of like arms on a clock, they rotate around that circle. And so like, if you can kind of imagine that most of those poses are, aren't like their feet or arms on a clock and you just rotate them around, you really can kind of come up with a ton of poses for the most part, just using that visualization. Okay. So they're standing in the middle and then you're on the outside of the circle. Yeah. Like we're, we're they're they're the circle. It'd probably yeah. be easier with, with a, a diagram or something, but, but yeah. So like if, if like, for instance, just that traditional, like regular shot, like we call it like a B pose where your arms are just around each other, they're angled. So that like, you know, depending on which way you're looking at that clock or that circle, you know, they're at like 10 and two kind of type thing. Does that make sense? Okay. 10. To, okay. So the, the, their bodies are at 10 and two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With, with, you know, their, their, uh, shoulders still kind of being connected there in the center. Like if you can kind of think about that, or if it's uh, what, nine and well, three, let, like let that's, that starts to get it like they're side by side. But, but we have like, we say the circle because in our mind it makes sense, but it's very possible <laughs> it that it matter. just doesn't make sense. But it's how we remember things. But we always start the session with walking and we can actually do three variations of that if we needed, if they needed more time to warm up than just like holding hands, walking towards and away from us, then we could always do like a different, I guess, revision of like hand on bicep or something. But we'll do walking and we'll generally get them to walk towards us, away from us. And then the second time back, they'll walk halfway to us and we'll ask them to stop. Just wrap those, I guess, outside outside hands around their waist. Um, and so that frees up like the hands that are closest to the camera. Those would not be connected. One would probably be in a pocket and the other one would be on the chest or something. Um, and that would be like our V pose. In our head, it looks like a V. <laughs> so their back shoulders are connected. And then we can work from that numerous ways with their hands and head and all of that fun jazz. But after that, you would move them chest to chest. So it would be more closed. And so now technically both of their shoulders would be like facing each other. And then if you reverse the first one, so they're Shoulders that are facing the camera are connected, but they're opened up away. Um, it kind of just adds like a little bit more of a different interest. And then, of course, like stacked, which is like I say prom pose. And then the action poses are at the end. So it is good to say that I don't just like run through all of these in the same location. But if I needed time to think, 
And I was like nervous, but I knew I had good light here. And I was just trying to like figure out how to get them more like loosened up. I could just run through these and it would probably take like 10 minutes probably just to run through them all. But Yeah. And I think us knowing, and Nathan, I don't know if there's a way that we can, um, we, we have this all on a PDF that we can either link or um, I don't, we can get this to people because it's obviously more of a, a, a visual thing to on some of these poses. But yeah, absolutely. Actually, Sarah sent me a copy of that PDF. So I've, I've got that and we'll make sure to link to this in the show notes yeah, for those of you who are I curious. Think a lot of that will, will help people kind of visualize this because I mean, pos- posing is very visual, but, but I think having these, you know, these, this set of poses helps us maximize like our time. We've talked yes. about this through the whole, whole process of this podcast, whether it's how we get up in the morning or any of that, if you have this structure, then you can shoot a whole engagement session in 20 minutes if you needed to easily. And yeah. easy. Yes. So, I mean, I could probably we've had to do almost all of these poses in six minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, we talk about the freedom of an engagement session a lot, but a wedding day, you, you know, you have this timeline, but heck, if the, the makeup artist is late, then that pushes everything back and you could start eating into this. You know, you have this 30 minute scheduled time to shoot photos, but now we have, 10 or whatever it is. So that does happen where you do have to do that all in 10 minutes. So having this, like at least just, you know, two to three of just whatever it may be of this this set that you can just hammer out if you need to really does make things easy. And on an engagement session, we're building this as, you know, it's, it's almost a second date, you know, we've met them, you know, for the consult and stuff, but like now we're really trying to get to know them. So by the time the wedding day comes, it's just our old pals, Alex and Sarah, yeah, yeah. they know us, they know that, you know, they've seen the photos. It's just easy. They, they don't have a care in the world when it comes to the photo. Like they know that we're going to deliver. So they're not stressed about like pulling up a Pinterest photos or something. Like they, they know that Alex and Sarah are going to get what, what they want. And having like this organized, efficient layout, like if I needed to, I probably would skip walking if I, I had six minutes and I would just do V pose, just, just reverse stacked. They would leave their wedding day, probably have more variation than some other people. Like yeah. it just makes it to where when you do move them, the moves are very quick versus like if you had to jump from a V pose to a stacked, it's probably moving them a little bit more um, than just like these minimal moves around the circle. Yeah. So you're just, you're flowing from, one pose into the next and it's not that you're just having to complete like you kind of like build it up like each pose like could lead into the next one so it just makes directing them a lot easier and and as we mentioned we'll link to this this guide in the show notes for those of you listening in it's it's a definitely a helpful guide and alex you you mentioned the significance of the time savings it really i if i think back to my stint as a wedding photographer and the situations where either you had a coordinator that was just totally on your back, making telling you that you need to hurry up because the reception's about to start and, or you have a client, particularly the groom who is so done with all the wedding related festivities <laughs> he wants and, his beer and, chicken and just wants to go party. <laughs> yeah. And you need to get through these pictures, but you also want to make sure that they get pictures so that you don't end up looking the bad guy. And of course that they ultimately have a great finished product that they can keep for years. And, and so something like this means that, yeah, maybe you're not going to, to win an award at WPPI for the most creative right. portrait that you ever took. But the reality is that that stuff matters more to us as photographers than it does to the client. The client wants some decent images and a great experience and that their wedding day is not about you creating this artistic masterpiece. It's about you 
giving them a really great experience and making sure they walk away with images that represent their their wedding day in a beautiful way. And you can do that in some cases, particularly if you're, you're strapped for time with a, a set of poses like this that are really easy to get through. Um, and that ultimately translates to a great experience for the clients. I mean, I, the, the number of times, I don't know how many times I were, had the opportunity to work with a bride and groom. And when I said, I'm done, or, or we're done, it's time to get to the reception, or we're done here, you know, maybe with the engagement session, the look of su- kind of surprise and yet kind of at a level of, of, of uh, and, and, well, being impressed, for lack of a better word. I, I don't know why the words escaped me there. But they were, they were just so astonished, but in yet the most positive way that not only did we get their pictures, but we did it so quickly and it was so painless and they're able to now go party. It's really, really great. And that can potentially set up an opportunity, as was alluded to earlier, for you know maybe an extra few minutes. If you do have some extra time, yeah. hey, do you want to go spend a little bit of time getting this thing or this thing? Or um, something that I used to do as a, as a photographer was I had a, a Russian panoramic camera. And I'd spend a little bit of extra time and get a picture or portrait of the couple that we would then have printed on textured fine art paper and mounted and give to them. And it was a really That's cool awesome. additional touch to the day. But you have time to do those kinds of things if you have the extra time. But if not, you've at least given them pictures that plenty of pictures that they need for prints or for an album or otherwise. And everybody's happy. And then they get to go to the party. And, and you just helped create a better experience for them on their wedding day. Yeah. And I think that's like... And as like the best point you could possibly make. I think so often as photographers, and especially in the past six years when we started, social media was not what it is today. Um, and so people get caught up in thinking or in seeing these photos that other people take and they think, oh, I need to do that. And so they try to make their client's wedding day the day that they're going to like get this Martha Stewart worthy publication. And in the grand scheme of things, like we don't even need to be worrying about that. Like the, we need to serve our clients. Well, we need to give them a great experience. That's what we have to do. If we get anything beyond that is a bonus. Right. But like, if you're wanting these fancy shoots or you want to practice something new, I think a style shoot is a great place for that. But on a wedding day, your clients, your main focus, I feel. Um, and I feel like a lot of times that gets misconstrued because of yeah you think you you have to have all this like new stuff learning and and doing new things and trying new things is fantastic but i i do think with just like what sarah's saying with social media you can easily get caught up in thinking that like i've got to add something new every single time and it's gotta i've got to get this on style me pretty and blah 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 and it's like that's not what the client hired you for you know they'll, they'll be happy that they're on style me pretty but they want to know that they got a good gallery, a, a good experience on their wedding day, and you know, not just dragged all around. And your ulterior motive was to get them on stopping pretty. Like it, it's just I don't know that it's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a fair way to put it, and I think a kind way to put it. We'll we'll leave it at that because I think we could go further with that conversation. And I know there are mixed opinions uh, on that, but I would I would tend to agree with what you all are saying. And, you know, ultimately, if what we're doing is focusing on serving the client, uh, which is not a word that you really hear, I think, used enough, that this notion of service or serving the client, genuinely being concerned about taking care of them uh, for the sake of their interests and not our portfolio. And not that you can't have both, but making sure that the priority is their experience. 
then I think it will change, potentially change the way that you approach a wedding day or a portrait session and even the way that you provide an experience to them that will ultimately not only benefit the client, but benefit you as well as a photographer. And this is, of course, not to minimize the significance of being creative. And, and there are ways to go about doing that, but just make sure that that doesn't get in the way of providing a really great experience to exactly. the client. I think well, I agree, because I think more often than not, when people talk to their friends, they probably won't be like, you should hire these photographers. They got me on Styling Pretty. They would more likely probably say, you should hire these photographers. They gave me a really great they experience. They made me look fantastic. Our couple's photos took 15 minutes right. and I got a gallery full yep. of photos. And made it easy. Um, yeah. And I don't yes. feel like I've ever looked better. Yeah. <laughs> um, like those are the things that yep. we we want our clients to say. And, and oh. just like you said, I, I definitely don't want to diminish like getting published and stuff like that. Like those are fantastic things to have happened in clients. Love that. But serving your clients first and foremost, genuinely, like that's, that's the real word is it's got to be genuine and real is going to go leaps and bounds than um, a style me pretty, you know, publication. For sure. I think, for sure. I think. Well, and, and just to sum up these poses, and again, we'll link to this, this PDF in the show notes, but it's, it's, you start with walking and then that V or even T pose, uh, chest to chest. And I'm actually, I'm scrolling through the PDF here. I mean, the walking yeah. is pretty straightforward. There are different ways to go about that. But uh, as you point out in the PDF, you, you can even have the couple stand still for a second in that pose that creates, it still creates or can create a sense of movement, um, which makes the image a little bit more interesting. It makes it really easy and kind of natural for them to lean, lean in and give each other a kiss, which is great. But there's some examples there in the PDF as well. Uh, that V pose, we are kind of hip to hip, shoulders open, the shoulders closest to the camera opened. And um, leaned in, kissing, talking, laughing can be really, really great. Chest to chest, they can just turn in toward each other. That's pretty straightforward. And then that reverse V where now the shoulders closer to the camera are touching their shoulders further away from the camera are opened up. And, uh, and you you're kind of seeing their back. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or and, their sides almost. And the, yeah. the, the images that you can get there, I, I, that creates a sense, at least for me, and I know perspectives will vary, but of intimacy again. And you can, you can take a picture further away if you want to get the background. You can come in closer, um, take advantage. I'm looking at this picture in the PDF of this couple, a full-length shot, and, and you've beautifully rimlet the couple. So the light's gorgeous and the interaction's great. The emotion, it's just a beautiful, beautiful way to, to pose. And then stacked, the, the so-called prom pose, where you essentially have the the couple, one person stand in front of the other, but staggered slightly to the left or to the right, I guess in most cases to the right, so that you're not covering up, covering up a boutonniere. And, um, and you can create some interaction uh, there, looking at the camera, interacting either one. And then, and then some of those movement pictures as well, dancing, pickups, et cetera. So again, we'll put this, this PDF as a point of reference in the show notes. For those of you listening in, if you go to bocapodcast.com, you'll be able to see that. And uh, really, I can't thank you enough, Sarah and Alex, both for making so much time for all of us and having some fun and interesting conversation and, and helpful conversation as well. Well, we, we appreciate being here. Like I said, we've, we've, uh, we've been users of, you know, Photographer's Edit and followed uh, the podcast for a while. So it was really exciting to, to be on here and uh, hang out with you. Yeah, this is super fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can even do a, an episode two in person at some point. We'll I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But uh, again, for those of you listening in, make sure you reference the show notes today, bocapodcast.com. Check out all the resources that we've discussed and uh, we'll be back with more soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. 
My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>